It's a god-awful small affair To the girl with the mousy hair I met the girl on the Mary one day But her mummy is yelling no And her daddy has told her to go Listen, young lady But her friend is nowhere to be seen So how'd you become such a hotshot actor? I'm a showman. That's what I'm meant to do. To the seat with the clearest view And she's hooked to the silver screen Do you know who I am? Yeah. Do you know uh, who my girlfriend is? Barbara Streisand? Barbara Streisand. Sand. Sand, yeah, like sands. Like the ocean, like beaches. Barbara Streisand? <sighs> no, like Streisand. Sand. But the film is a saddening ball This is fate that brought us together. But she's lived it ten times or more Our roads took us here. She could spit in the eyes of fools You're not my director. They ask her to focus on Paul Thomas Anderson may be the most exciting filmmaker working today. Since his debut with Hard Eight in 1996, he has directed nine feature films, spanning a range of genres and each of them intriguing in their own unique way. The first Paul Thomas Anderson movie I saw was Punch Drunk Love on TV when I was 13 years old. Two years later, I saw There Will Be Blood, and I was surprised to learn that they were by the same guy. Then I went back and watched Magnolia and Boogie Nights, and I've followed his career ever since. Yet strangely, I'd never actually seen an Anderson movie in theatres. The peak of my Anderson fandom occurred in that five-year hiatus between There Will Be Blood and The Master, and when The Master came out, it looked too dreary for me to rush to see it in theatres. I hadn't read the book for Inherent Vice, and Phantom Thread caught me at a time when I wasn't going to the cinema. Licorice Pizza came out after a four-year break, which allowed me to catch up on Anderson's other works and begin to study patterns in his filmography. I followed the movie in its pre-production, which coincided with the pandemic. It was listed as the story of a high schooler who is also a successful child star in the 1970s. This period interested me, and it was nice to hear that Anderson was returning to his roots in San Fernando Valley after a brief sabbatical in London with Phantom Thread. As Bradley Cooper joined the cast, I was excited. Bradley Cooper is one of the most unpredictable leading men working today, and this was an intriguing pairing given that Cooper had never worked with Anderson before. Paul Thomas Anderson is a cinephile, a devotee of the works of John Huston, Robert Altman, Jonathan Demme, and Martin Scorsese, and it intrigued me to see him do a movie set in Hollywood after he had dealt with themes of artistic struggle in other avenues with Boogie Nights and Phantom Thread. All of this meant that I was hyped going to see Licorice Pizza, even as it emerged that it was more of a coming-of-age story about a character who happens to be an actor rather than a full-scale exploration of Hollywood. Licorice Pizza falls into the section of PTA's eclectic filmography, which I deem Anderson Minor, alongside the likes of Punch Drunk Love and Inherent Vice. These aren't necessarily bad movies, but they lack the grandiosity and ostentatiousness of Magnolia, There Will Be Blood and The Master. PTA admits as much, 
noting that he had to reorientate himself to something smaller scale with Punch Drunk Love after flying close to the sun with Magnolia. It's not a bad strategy for an auteur to remain on his toes and subvert expectations. Also, by not setting out to top There Will Be Blood each time, PTA is able to continue to produce consistent work. As it turns out, this is a movie driven by its two leads, Cooper Hoffman and Alana Haim, who, coincidentally, are both making their feature debut. Veterans like Sean Penn, Tom Waits and Bradley Cooper are really only making entertaining cameos. John C. Riley, who I'd argue was the emotional core of Anderson's first three films, has a brief cameo in Herman Munster makeup that only an ardent film fan like me would spot. The movie starts promisingly enough with a protracted conversation between the two leads in their first encounter. Hoffman's Gary Valentine is a smooth-talking teenage actor-entrepreneur with a confidence and charisma that is unexpected from a chubby, pimply redhead. Haim's Alana is a sullen, foul-mouthed, working-class 25-year-old who lives at home and has limited horizons. Yet Gary sees something in her and talks to her when she visits his school as part of her work for a photography company. Gary asks her on a date and she refuses, which is unsurprising given their age gap. However, Gary is persistent and tells her where he will be dining and invites her to join him without committing to a date. Later, when Gary's mum is unable to chaperone him to a promotional gig, Gary asks Alana and the two hang out constantly. What follows is a coming-of-age story for both of them, with each learning from the other. I thought that the first half of Licorice Pizza was promising. Both the leads are unconventional-looking and inexperienced actors, which gives them a freshness. I like Gary's youthful exuberance. He is both a showman and an entrepreneur, the kind of character that has not yet been smacked in the face by the equalising force of reality. It's clear that PTA is influenced by baby boomer classics like The Graduate and American Graffiti, but both are leaner movies than Licorice Pizza. As much as I waited to see Sean Penn and Bradley Cooper arrive on screen, I thought that the movie dragged once they came into the picture. PTA has shown that he is adept at small-scale, character-driven stories like in Heart 8, Punch Drunk Love and Phantom Thread, and the strongest scenes of Licorice Pizza are with the two leads. Sean Penn is alright as a drunken, thinly-veiled William Holden caricature, but his character has little depth, while Bradley Cooper is just annoying as Barbara Streisand's real-life former lover, John Peters. Watching Cooper's John Peters, I was reminded somewhat of Philip Seymour Hoffman's character in Punch Drunk Love. Anderson seems to revel in chance encounters having greater bearing on the plot, but I wasn't that invested in it, and it seemed like a waste of Bradley Cooper. With the premise about a high schooler who is also a successful actor, there was a lot of potential, and with the 70s setting, PTA had the opportunity to comment on the movie industry at the time, which you would think he would want to, given his fascination with cinema. Anderson has explored the artistic process of filmmaking indirectly, with his forays into the porn industry and the fashion world in Boogie Nights and Phantom Thread, respectively, but he has never made a movie explicitly about Hollywood, as Altman did with The Player, and more recently Tarantino did with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. 
However, Licorice Pizza spends so little time exploring the world of Hollywood that Gary's acting career could easily have been left out of the plot and it wouldn't have made much difference. Most of Gary's schemes are entrepreneurial, so it's difficult to relate to this idealistic teenager who seemingly goes from strength to strength in the business world. I know that movies aren't these prepackaged things that come readily made to your specifications, but I would have liked to see more of the world of a child star. The scene where Gary goes to promote the movie Under One Roof and enrages the star by making a sexual reference during an interview on a primetime show was a fascinating insight into the character. I wanted to see more of this world which we rarely see on film, where child stars are pressured to toe the line and project a family-friendly image while also going through the pressures of adolescence. All of us did stupid and immature things when we were teenagers, but most of us were lucky enough to have our adolescence out of the spotlight. I was also intrigued when Gary's co-star, Lance, flirted with Alana and began taking her on dates. Once again, I find it intriguing how universal experiences such as a squabble over a girl can derail a production and thought there was a lot of potential for exploration here. Instead, Lance is in the movie for another scene or two and then disappears out of the movie altogether. It should also be worth noting that for a high school student, Gary is so rarely in school. I think more scenes with him in school would have been interesting and that could have highlighted the duality in his life between the successful actor and average high schooler. As it stands, we are given little opportunity to relate to Gary. Early on, there is a scene of him at an audition where he appears clumsy. I thought more attention could have been paid to the transitionary phase of his acting career as he goes from cute kid to awkward adolescent. But instead, he reinvents himself as an entrepreneur and his acting career is barely spoken of again. Gary's business ventures are fairly successful. We are supposed to believe that this 15-year-old was able to get a lease and satisfy the health and safety regulations to set up his own arcade. Perhaps if this was the world of Rushmore, we would suspend our disbelief, but Licorice Pizza leans more towards realism. There is a scene towards the end where he struggles with crowd control at his pinball parlour, but overall, Gary's struggles are pretty minor for someone with such grand ambitions. The second half of the movie seems to be centred around subplots. There's Alana's brief foray into show business by spending time with Jack Holden, a bizarre encounter with John Peters as part of Gary's waterbed business, and Alana's sudden decision to get into politics and join the mayoral campaign of Joel Walks, played by Benny Safdie. I actually didn't mind the political subplot, and it highlighted the maturity gap between Alana and Gary, with the latter seemingly only interested in his business ventures. But this subplot occurred too late in the movie, and by this point the movie was beginning to drag. Wax is introduced, Alana likes him, and then there's a reveal about him a couple of scenes later. The issue is that it's too rushed without us having built up any familiarity or connection. Overall, these subplots come together to help Alana realise that Gary is the only man in her life that hasn't mistreated her in some way. This is a retread of a familiar theme in Anderson movies, which celebrate unconventional relationships. I thought that this part was done well, but I think the I love you scene at the end was sappy, though thankfully brief. This is an entertaining enough movie, though it's well shy of Anderson's best. I think it's 
So we're gonna hang out with Gary and his friends all the time. <laughs> I think it's weird that I hang out with Gary and his 15-year-old friends all the time. Like you're not gonna forget me. Cross. Oh, camera. Oh, camera B. Parking. Action. I'm coming, Nancy.